Exodus chapter 17, we're going to read verses 8 through 13 together. We'll read this passage responsively, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. And if I get these verses wrong, I got nobody to blame but me, amen? Exodus chapter 17, it'll actually be Paul's fault, uh, verses 8 through 13. Exodus 17, 8 through 13. Here we go. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, it, said to him and fought with Amalek. Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady unto the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And let's pray, Father. I need the Holy Spirit of God to do what I cannot do today. Would you meet the needs of each and every person here in this room today? Lord, you know my heart. You know I long to, to be what you need me to be and long to be what they need me to be. Lord, I can't do it by myself. I've got to have the Holy Spirit. I've got to have your word. And I've got to have their help. I pray that we would work together as a team today, you and I and your people, so that we could do your work the right way today, please. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you will listen to me today, I, uh, I want to help our church. This is, I, I guess you could call it a state of the church address a little bit, not a state of the union because I'm not president, nor would I step down to be president. As a matter of fact, he falls down to be president. But uh, what a debacle. What a mess. Here in Exodus 17, the Hebrews have left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. God has met their every need. They have manna by morning. They have water from the rock at Horeb. They've even had quail to eat and God is taking care of them. While they're in their journeys, the Bible says they come up against a group of people called the Amalekites. These Amalekites hated the Hebrews. They were their vicious enemies. Uh, these are the same Amalekites that Saul would be uh, hindered by and the Philistines and others. They're just a ruthless group of people. Moses tells Joshua, he said, Joshua, I want you to gather some men up, and tomorrow you go to war with them. He said, I'm going to go up to the top of the, the mountain here. I'm going to go up, and I'm going to be praying and asking God's blessing on you as you fight to protect our people. He told us we were going to make it. We're going to make it through this, but I'm going to go get his attention while you fight. Joshua did as Moses commanded, and I just about tripped. Uh, At my age, that's pretty bad, amen? Shut up, Brother Bob. Uh, 
I knew what was coming next. All right? Now, uh, and you have to understand, Moses takes Aaron, his brother, and a man named Hur, and they walk up the mountain to get to the top to overlook the valley where they're going to be fighting. And the Bible says he took the rod of God. What's the rod of God? That's the very rod that he took before Pharaoh and threw down and it became a snake. That's the rod that when uh, Pharaoh's men threw their rods down, they became snakes, that that snake ate theirs, picked it up by the tail and became a rod again. That's the rod where Moses held it up and the Red Sea began to dry up for miles. That's the same rod that when he, they crossed the other side, he held it up and the waters came back over on top of the Egyptian army and buried them and killed them all, including the Pharaoh. That's the very same rod that Moses took when they reached Horeb. And they needed water and he took that rod and he struck the rock. The Bible says that enough water came forth to take care of three and a half to five million people and their animals. And that rock followed them through the wilderness for 40 years. I don't know if it was a rock that rolled around with them. I don't know if they put it on a cart. I do know this. It takes a lot of water to take care of three and a half to five million people. That's like three to five times the population of the state of West Virginia. Think through that for a second. That's like the entire city of Chicago. Or, if you're from Chicago, Chicago. <laughs> now, wait a minute. That rod was pretty important. It wasn't the rod. It was the fact that it was the rod of God. Moses said, I'm going to take the rod of God. We've seen him work miracles through this before. And I'll take it up there and... I'm going to be talking to God with that rod in my hand, holding it up, and maybe God will work another miracle, and we can beat these Amalekites. He, next morning, goes up to that mountain with Aaron and Hur and reached the top, and as the sun comes up and the battle begins, Moses holds his hand up and begins praying and asking God to bless you men know for sure what I'm talking about. The devil doesn't like it already, amen? There's only so long you can hold your hands up above your, your, your head. After a while, your arms get heavy. Uh, Brother Josh in PE class, the kids hated Brother Josh's PE teacher. You say, why? Because he'd make them run and do different calisthenics and different things like they're supposed to do. But one of the things that they would do is they'd have to run three laps around the parking lot and the lower lot and back up. And they'd run with both hands above their head. I remember when I was in wrestling practice, we had to run. We'd have to run with our arms above our heads. You say, why'd they do that? I don't know. It looks stupid, but we had to do it. <laughs> so you're going to do it now? No, I'm 56 years old. I have better sense. Here's Moses on top of the mountain holding that rod up, praying, and his arms, his arm gets heavy, and he brings that down. And Aaron and her watch, and while his arm is up, they notice that Joshua and the Hebrews are winning the battle. But when he puts that arm down, that the Amalekites begin to take over. And as they begin to take over. Moses would get a little bit more intent and put his arm back up. And it seemed like it was a off and on, off and on, off and on. And every time his hand was up, 
Israel prevailed. When he put his hand down, Israel did not prevail. But I want you to notice something. This is one of the sweetest verses in the entire Bible to me. Look at verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Moses and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the one on the other. And his hands were steady to the going down of the sun. Uh, let's see here. Brother Ron, Brother uh, Barnes, why don't you come up here for a moment? Brother, I'm going to play Moses since I'm old. He pulled up the chair. They pulled up a stone, and the Bible says that they put. He sat down. He put his arms up. Hold it up. Hold it up. And they held his arms, and Israel prevailed. Israel prevailed. It was easier for them to hold their arms that way. And they could hold Moses' arms. Thank you, man. You can put things back and go sit down. Thank you. You did, you did well. I found two guys that didn't have to think. Amen? <laughs> Thank God for two men willing to hold up the arms of the man of God. God's people prevailed and won the battle. They could go on successfully for God. As you know, Brother Josh has gone to work in Miami. And uh, I'm, by the way, no problems. Everything's fine. I assured you that all along through this. Everything's good. But Grace Baptist Church does not stop because Josh and Ruthann left. Anybody can understand that? Grace Baptist Church was here before them. Grace Baptist Church will be here after them. Now, I love them. That's my son and daughter-in-law. But they don't, they don't make Grace Baptist Church what Grace Baptist Church is. Did they help carry the load? Oh, yeah, and they carried, he, he can shovel a pretty good load. But the work has not changed. Their geography has changed, but the work here hasn't changed. Uh, let me say this. I can handle everything that needs done for now. I really can. Nothing is going to change. Our kids are still going to camp this summer. We're still going to have our tent revival. School's going to open in August. We're still getting registrations, and I'm still getting folks registered for school, and uh, we're getting uh, materials ordered, and uh, everything's going to keep on going. Whether, uh, whether we have help or not, we're going to make this thing work. Say why? It's the work of God, not my work. And I've been, a, I've been a pack mule for God for a long time. You just feed me a bale of hay, I'll keep on pulling a plow. I can carry the load. Now, as I told somebody this morning, sometimes the recovery time's a little tougher and takes more for me to pull. But I still can pull the load. It's all right. We're not to stop having visitors. We're not to stop seeing people get saved. We're not to stop seeing people uh, get baptized and join our church. Here's the sermon. Just as Moses needed Aaron and her, 
Your preacher needs you. I need you. I hate even saying that. I do. There's something that goes against that in me, Brother James. Because I want to be what you need. But for me to be what you need, I'm going to need some help for a while. I don't mind cleaning toilets, mopping floors, sweeping floors. I don't mind doing those things, and I've done it many a time. But if I have to choose between helping somebody and cleaning the toilet, I'm going to help somebody. Not because I hate cleaning a toilet, but the people are more important to me than the things. Does that make sense to everybody? I'm actively working on replacement and help. I get that. We've got family coming to look things over and we'll be talking to them very soon. But may I say something? Whether they take it or not, God's in control. And just because they may say yes doesn't mean they're going to be here the next week. It's going to take time. They have a house to sell and a family of uh, six people to get moved and it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, they may say yes. They may see you and say no. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but may I say something? I need each and every person in Grace Baptist Church to step up. I need your help. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I fought God on this. I, I don't want to stand before you and say, I need you. But I need you. I want to stand before you and say, you need me. Not I need you. May I say it this way? God needs you. More than I need you, God needs you. And we have a, a, a growing church. We have a busy church, trust me. We have a church that's on the move. But I'm going to need some help. Uh, Mrs. Barnes is down for a couple of weeks with having had surgery. And she's going to be working some from uh, the bed. And I get that. We're going to keep the bills paid. And I'm not going to be putting a big load on her. But we're going to make sure the bills get paid. And uh, that kind of thing. And I don't know how long she'll be down. I don't need people coming in. You, I don't. I don't touch the computer. It ain't happening. Okay? But I don't need secretaries right now. I just need people that are willing to help step up and help us with certain things. Let me share the rest of the sermon with you. Number one, I need you to be faithful to church. If there's one thing that encourages me, it's having you here when we have church. If you want to keep your preacher encouraged and keep me strong, keep coming to church. I realize summer, you're going to take a vacation. That's fine, but don't take a vacation on God and not show up till fall. <sighs> I think you ought to be here as much as possible. I'm talking Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You want to keep this preacher encouraged? That'll encourage me. That gives me strength. Do you know you don't get strength by doing nothing? You get strength by doing something. You can get a gym membership and go eat chocolate and hamburgers on the couch and watch everybody work out, but you're not going to get stronger. <laughs> well, I got a gym membership. So? <laughs> uh, 
just because you're eating hamburgers and hot dogs and chocolate sitting on the couch watching everybody worked out, just because you got a membership didn't make you strong. It takes working to make you strong. It takes that activity to make you strong. And you'll be a stronger Christian by coming to church more and more faithfully. And it helps me become stronger because you keep me encouraged to keep on going. So uh, you're my family. I get strength by you being here. I mean that. Uh, I look across this crowd and I can tell you which families are not here today. I know who's not been here. I know who's missed a week or two weeks or three weeks. Uh, you say, why? Because I pay attention. I care about people. You're my family. I spend more time with the people in this room than I do my biological family. I mean that. I'm closer to many of you men than my own brother. Not because I hate my brother. He hates me. No, I, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, I, my brother and I, we, we, we do fine. But I spend more time with you than I do my own kids. We're family. You know what it's like when you get together and family kind of encourages one another and you get strength? Well, that's what church is. And since we're family, we ought to be here to encourage and strengthen one another. Uh, <laughs> now, Brother Josh's Sunday school class is going to be in my class until we get somebody here and uh, get them settled a little bit. And then we'll split things back out. But everything's going to, that's the only thing I know that is actually changing at all. Everything else is going to continue as is. Everything's in place. Now, it's a little bit crazy right now because I had three Sunday school teachers gone this morning. Two on vacation and one with surgery. That makes life real exciting. <laughs> but we got through it, amen? That means this. <laughs> and please don't take this the wrong way. I, I, I'm saying this out of you being able to help me and help God and help the church. I need you to come to church ready to help if needed. There's, I'm not always going to be able to call you three days in advance and say, hey, could you be ready for this? I need you to come ready. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, if Men, I need you to wear a shirt and tie in case I need you to usher. Uh, I need some of you ladies that are, are willing to help in, in the nursery, talk to my wife and say, if you need somebody for a service or so, I'm here. Uh, I need men that, and ladies both that could be here as greeters. Now, you're welcome to church no matter how you dress. Don't get me wrong. But there's times I'm going to need some people to step up. And in service, uh, did you ever notice when you go to work somewhere, uh, people wear a uniform? You know, McDonald's, Burger, I don't go to those places, but uh, you know what I mean. Well, I think if we're going to do the Lord's work, we ought to step up a little bit in how we dress. That's all it is. But I need you to be here, be ready. I can't always tell you who's not going to be here and who's going to be here. Sickness, vacation, this, that, the other thing. You know how it goes. Now, uh, man, I'm not, uh, please don't take this the wrong way. I hate these things more than anybody. I don't know what woman thought of a tie. You say, how do you know it was a woman? Because no man would ever ch choke his other fellow man. Trust me, there's no man in this room that's tied a tie more times than I have. I've been wearing a tie virtually every day of my life since the age of 18. 
That's 38 years of tying a tie. That's tens of thousands of times. I don't look in a mirror to tie a tie. Ever. You say, it's obvious. No. Uh, but I can do, I can do full Windsor, half Windsor. I can do the roll knot. I can do it all. I can tie a tie on somebody else. I was helping somebody just last week and I, not tie and tie. I can do it backwards, forwards, eyes closed. I can tell you, just, here we go. I hate these things more than anybody, but you know, it, it's not so bad. You don't have to button that top button right there. I never do. Amen? Any of you guys wear a tie, you know what I'm talking about, man. Move that button, I tear them off. My wife was ironing a shirt the other day, and they got these new shirts that got this little button, and it's got a piece of elastic attached to it that's supposed to stretch. It does nothing but get in the way of a tie when you don't, because I don't, don't button that thing. That thing was sticking out one morning, I'm like, I pulled the whole stupid thing right out of there. My wife said, what happened to this shirt? It doesn't have a top button. I said, yeah, I pulled it out. It's laying on, in the trash right there. What did you do? I said, I hate that thing. Now, wait a minute. Uh, it, is wearing a tie a couple hours a week that bad? That you wouldn't want to help God and God's work and the family? Now, I'll be honest with you. I'd rather be in my camo going out and shooting, killing something, blood up to my elbows. I don't mind that, but I'm as, I'm as comfortable in my suit right now as I am my camo. I've done it so much, it's almost foreign for me to sit down and not do this when I sit down so I don't get my tie in my food. If i got a casual shirt on, you'll see me sit down and I'll do this. Well, you have to try to don't have a tie. Now, if you got t- food and stuff all over your tie, keep it in the refrigerator so it doesn't spoil. But put one on. I taught in a Bible college, folks. I understand. Trust me. Uh, ladies, I, I need you to dress. Uh, if you're going to help serve here at the church, I'd like you to have knee-length skirts or dresses on. I think it's appropriate for church. Does that make sense to everyone? I'm not mad. You say, well, preacher, I just think you're ridiculous. Well, uh, tell that to McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Smell and all the other places. <laughs> I'm sorry, Taco Bell. I'm not always going to have a chance to give you an advance warning that I need help. It might be, I got a hole. Can you come over here? (laughs) And I need you. Uh, The biggest help you can be, though, is be here as much as you can every service. That will help me more than anything. You want to give me strength? You want to keep our church encouraged? Be here. There's nothing more discouraging than to put tons of hours into something and people not be here. Uh, that gets a little discouraging. People will call me then and say, Preacher, I got this problem. I'm thinking, yeah, if you were in church two weeks ago, you would have got the answer to it. That's my first thought. I don't ever say that to you. But honestly, that's sometimes what I think. And I'm not angry at anybody. But if you just be here, that will help us. It really will. Number two. <laughs> this is where... We're going to laugh a little bit, but it's serious. I need us to help grow the music program this summer, not let it fall through the cracks. Now, Brother Ron's going to help out as much as his schedule allows, and thank your ears for it. But if he's not here, you're going to sing loud because I have to lead singing. And 
I I don't enjoy doing it. I can do it. I read both clefs of music. I understand music probably better than anybody but those two people right there. Uh, I've played a lot of instruments in my past. Uh, I, I don't play piano because I don't have time to practice and learn where my fingers go, but I understand music pretty well. Um, but God didn't make me with a lead voice. Bass singers don't sing lead. We just honk out three or four notes the whole song. That's all you do. And I can handle that. Now, I'm not a lead singer, but guess what? You're stuck. Now, once we get somebody here, but that means this. Uh, uh, we've lost two voices in our choir, which is a big loss in ours. I need some of you that can sing to get involved in choir. It's time. It's time. Uh, you say, well, preacher, I, no, it's time. I need some of you men. I need some of you ladies. You say, well, I don't sing that good. If you can hold the bucket, we can, we can find the tune. Amen. Uh, now some of you can't even, some of you can't even find the tune if you turn the radio on. Amen. That's right, brother Aaron. But if you can sing at all, I, I'd rather have you, but I, I need some of you to volunteer. Choir practice is 5 to 5.45 on Sunday nights. I'm asking for 45 minutes. That's it. You might have to stay after on a Wednesday night for a few minutes for a mic check for the following Sunday for five extra minutes. It's not going to take that much of your life. But look how you could help encourage our church. Look how you could help the work. Hey, we bring somebody new in, and instead of a dwindling choir, we got a growing choir. What better way to greet somebody and say, look, look at instant success. Uh, and we need it. We need you to get involved. Uh, we need you to, to help with it. I need you to. I need you to cover my lousy voice. Amen? Uh, but I need you to be here. I need you, choir members, I need you to be here and be here on time every practice. I need everybody. If you're a teenager and you want to get involved in choir and you can sing it all, get involved. Uh, I need somebody, that if you're willing to sing specials, come see me. Now, I have to say this. If you're going to get involved like that, I need you to join the church. Uh, I just think you ought to be a member of something if you're going to participate like that. Uh, and by the way, good music is an important part of church. Good music, and I'm not talking fancy music. I'm talking good music. Good music is an important part. Uh, can I say something? If you're not in the choir, sing loudly while we're singing out there. Congregationals. Say, well, preacher, I don't sing very loud. Well, when we sing on a hill far away, sing her out. Amen? Uh, <laughs> I love this church when you all sing. It's powerful. We lift the roof off of this building. I, I told you, and uh, I, I recently preached, and uh, there was a few hundred people there, and you couldn't hear them when they sang the congregations. I mean, it was like crickets. I was thinking, y'all need a dose of Grace Baptist. Y'all would go nuts if you heard what I hear every week. Sing it out. You say, well, I don't sing real well. God didn't say sing beautiful. He said make a joyful noise. Well, God knows I can make a joyful noise. And it's going to be noise, but it'll be joyful at least. Sing loudly. Have fun with it. 
number next. I'm going to need some help with the buildings being cleaned and straightened up from service to service. I uh, thank God for our men yesterday at men's prayer breakfast. By the way, great group of men yesterday in prayer breakfast. We had about 20-some 20, 20 men there yesterday. And it was exciting. Brother Juan didn't even get leftovers to take home. Oh. <laughs> it was getting serious. Uh, but uh, yesterday they jumped in and they vacuumed the floors and put things up, set it up for junior church, got trash out. I needed a couple men to tidy up the bathrooms, and there was guys almost crawling all over each other just to clean bathrooms yesterday. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, there, Brother and Mrs. Snow cleaned the bathrooms on, on Wednesdays to make sure for church. But in between Wednesday and Sunday, I need somebody to willing to come in and just freshen things up a little bit. Uh, the auditorium chairs. I know it sounds funny, but every one of you come in and move these chairs. I don't know why people can't come in and sit. And sometimes it's just the up and down, up and down. I get that. But when they start getting wonky and you start push, pushing and pulling, they just need straightened up. Uh, I've, I've got, uh, I, we, we invested in one of those, uh, what do you call them, robo uh, dude jiggers that vacuums the floor. Shark, that's it. Uh, so I can vacuum the floors in here and get something else done. Amen? Because... To vacuum the floor in here takes about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. You have to understand, there's almost the double square footage in here as there is in your house in this building. Uh, there's a lot of carpet. And that thing can suck it up real good, and I can be answering phones, working on sermons, and doing church business while it's banging in the chairs and the walls. And I can do it three or four or five times in a week, and it, it gets done, and it does a very good job. We did it just so that it would take some of the man hours away in this in the auditorium. But uh, there's things that need cleaned up. The fellowship hall being set up and, and cleaned every week. Trash, making sure it gets out. Sunday school rooms. I need somebody that's willing to come in here every once in a while, maybe every couple few weeks, and clean up on the platform. That little shark thing doesn't do good two feet up, in the ground, up, up on the sky here because boom, not good. It bounces off walls, but it doesn't bounce from a fall very well. Uh, you know, just little things like that. Maybe even staying after church on a Sunday morning or Sunday night just to tidy up chairs. Uh, you say, well, preacher, that, that seems like such a little thing. I'm talking about making sure the songbooks get put back in the song racks and making sure that there's uh, tithing envelopes in each one of those slots. You'd be surprised how much work gets done around here that you never saw get done. Did you realize somebody has to put your songbook up? Somebody's got to make sure things are where they're supposed to be. And I, I need people to help me with that. Now, I'd like to keep God's house clean. I'm not talking about if some kid stands in here and he's got dirty hands, he puts his hands on the wall, that you beat him half to death. By the way, <laughs> you did it. It's amazing to me. Uh, that we, well, they should know better. Well, nobody's ever taught them. Don't get mad at them. Let's just fix up, clean up after ourselves. And that helps. Everybody doing okay? So uh, I may need some help volunteering to help semi-regularly. So, well, I can't do it every week, preacher. If you can do it once, I'm happy. If I got five people that can do it once a month, I got the whole month cared for. Make sense? So uh, just whatever you can. And by the way, don't feel bad if you can't. There's some of you older folks. You can't do some of these things. I got it. I'm good with it. 
Time for this, us younger guys to jump in and help. Next, keep participating in all that we have around here. I'm talking about be here for the tent revival. If you could be here for all the services, be here. We'll have uh, the tour, uh, tour group from Commonwealth Baptist College here on that Sunday morning, July 2nd. Sunday night we have the tent. I'll be preaching. Monday night, uh, Brother John C. and his family will be here doing the music, and uh, he'll be preaching with me. Tuesday night, uh, Brother John Mark, his son, will be, he and his wife will do the music and help, he'll be preaching with me. And we'll have the fireworks and our picnic and we'll just have a good time. Uh, you're, you're gonna be mainly off that week anyway. Why not be here and let's have some fun with it? Uh, let the kids participate in camp. Uh, school registration. If you have children of school age, let me implore you, please consider Grace Baptist Church School. I don't need your money as much as your kids need our school. State of Utah, one of the school districts in Utah, is banning the King James Bible from the school library. It contains too much violence and, and sensualism. Berkeley County Schools and Jefferson County Schools are now putting litter boxes in bathrooms for students who who think that they're animals instead of people and you want those people educating your kids and you want your kids around that mess we're not putting litter boxes out for your kids at our school they're going to learn the bible if you were here a few weeks ago and saw our little graduation service and uh, they're going to memorize hundreds of scriptures and be able to learn to read I know that's a hard thing. But by the time they're in first grade, if they start in kindergarten, they'll be reading by kindergarten. If they don't start till first grade, they will be reading in first grade. Amen, Brother Aaron? And by the way, I'm not talking about spot, see, spot, run. See, spot, run fast. I'm talking about being able to read, the. they could read the Bible out loud by the time they're done with kindergarten. For sure by first grade if they didn't start in kindergarten here. Say why? Because uh, that's the way they're supposed to be taught. They're not going to do all their work on a computer. They're going to use a pencil. <gasps> Shock. Yeah. They're going to have penmanship. Something I failed miserably. Can I tell you something? I think that you ought to get your family involved. I, I'm looking out what's best for your kids. I've been preaching against the public school system for decades. And I've, I've made a lot of enemies and a lot of people thought I was stupid, but look where they're at today. And I'm not mad at you if you don't. Let me say that again. I'm not mad at you if you don't. But if you think it's not going to hit this area, you got another thing coming. Uh, you ought to see some of the blowback Jennifer got for trying to pass through Jefferson County about not not allowing minors to go to these drag shows and uh, places like that. It's hit the state level and it's hitting the it's hitting the federal level. She said nothing about it. It just is obscenity and lewdness. Isn't it amazing? The ones who are obscene and lewd are the ones making the biggest noise. When you have to pass laws in our country, in our county, that say it should be illegal for minors to go to these filthy, rotten places of 
lewdness and obscenity. And yet the schools are bringing them in and having drag shows in the schools. I've got a problem with that. Now, you can say what you want, but the people who are allowing that are indoctrinating your kids, not educating them. And I've educated a lot of people in my life. I know what good education is. If you were here on that Sunday and watched what our kids were doing, you only saw a very small taste of it. I'll promise you, it'll be as high a quality as you'll get anywhere in the country. And probably better because it'll be actual education. Number five, and I'll finish. I think. Yes. We must stay after reaching people. I need you to keep bringing visitors to church. I need you to keep inviting people to church. I need you to keep putting tracks on gas pumps for people to come to church. Amen? Uh, I need uh, people that are saved to get baptized and join the church. If you haven't been baptized, let's take care of it. If you've been saved and baptized and it's time to join church, join the church. Let's, let's, can I tell you something? I'm, I'm going to make a statement here. We need families to be joining our church. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little different than what you're used to. No comments, please. <laughs> but let me say it this way. I kind of believe that living by faith does not mean sitting on your blessed assurance doing nothing, waiting for God to do everything. God's not a welfare God. I happen to believe that if I keep pulling the plow and I get to a part where I can't pull it anymore and I'm stopped and I'm still pulling and I'm dragging, I have a feeling if I get stuck on a spot, that's where Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you the rest. Take my yoke upon you. I just happen to believe, Brother Ron, that if I keep pulling and I can't pull it much, much longer myself, he sees me struggling and he says, let me help, let me jump in. And he yokes up with me and he starts pulling with me. You don't stand in the middle field and say, I can't do this, I can't, I can't. No, you just keep on pulling. You struggle long enough, he's going to say, that fellow down there needs a little help and he ain't going to give up. I'm going to go give him a little bit of help. I think if God looks down and sees Grace Baptist Church and we're in need of more help and more workers, if we'll keep doing what we're supposed to do and he sees the struggle, he's going to bring help a little faster. Now maybe that's a little different than what you're used to, but who would you rather help? Somebody who's struggling and still doing or somebody sitting there crying doing nothing? I'd rather help the guy that's still pulling even though he can't pull very much farther. Say why? Because at least he's trying. As my dad would say, rub dirt in it, let's go. <laughs> I'm going to need some of you to help me make visits. I do my very best to make visits every time somebody visits this church. But it's getting bigger. It's getting faster. And I'm still going after it. But it may be there's times that it's, oh, okay, I... I believe in being appropriate. If a lady comes and visits our church, I don't think it's right for me to go visit a single lady in her house by herself. There's just something about that that doesn't look right. Does that make sense to everybody? 
uh, I believe in keeping things appropriate. So there might be a time, I, yesterday I called Brother Aaron and said, hey, Brother Aaron, can you make some visits with me? He said, sure, preacher. I said, I'll pick you up in this time. You say, why? I'm just trying to keep things appropriate. I don't even need you to say anything necessarily at the door. I just need somebody to be with me. Uh, if you can go out soul winning some other time, let's do it. Let's schedule it. You see, ladies, I want to start a midweek ladies soul winning time. Thursday mornings, about 1030. If you want to come, my wife's going to be here. She'll go out visiting with you for about an hour and be done. Say, well, preacher, I can't make it then. Okay, we've got Saturday soul winning. If you can't make it then, call me. We'll work somebody to go out with you, but let's keep it going. If we want God to fill the roles of what we need done, by the way, maybe if you keep doing it and God brings somebody, look how much farther we can go, how much faster. (laughs) I need you to just get involved. Help with it. Say, well, preacher, I don't have a kid for school, but maybe I could give a little extra money to help a family that might struggle. Good. See me. We'll, we'll talk about it. I'm not, I'm not begging money for the school. What I'm saying is, let's everybody do what we can do. <laughs> My arms are going to get heavy. I'm not going to stop. Now, listen to me very carefully here. I'll finish with this. Whatever you do, don't stop needing me. I mean that. I don't want you to say, well, preacher's too busy. This is too small for preacher. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. Well, preacher, I know you're busy right now. Yeah, I'm busy right now, but I'm busy all the time anyway. I am never too busy to help. If I get too busy to help then it's time to change what I'm doing. If through all this you say, well, preacher, I, 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 I needed something, but I just, I, I got it. No, 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 no. I need you to need me. Please listen to that. I need you to need me. My wife and I need you to need us. Uh, I need you to say, preacher, I, I got to have help. Good. Well, I have a question. Good. Call me. Text me. See me after church. Those are the things that keep me going. That's what I live for. You see, if you don't need me, I don't need a job. Israel didn't say we don't need Moses. They needed him more than they knew they needed him. But may I say this, not only do I need you, but God needs you. God needs you to do your part. You say, well, preacher, uh, I can't do much. Well, you could be here for the services. That's God needing you. God's not a welfare God. He needs us to do our part. Unfortunately, as your pastor, I have to come to you at this moment and say, right now, I'm going to need your help a little bit. I wasn't going to tell the story, but I'm going to. 1988, 1989, I was graduating from Bible college. Shut up. Brother Hiles went through a battle. 
it hit the national level. A lot of evil lies were said about him, and it, he was smeared. He lost friends of a lifetime. It was ugly. I watched about 1,500 people leave the church, believing lies. He stayed and fought, won the battle. But a lot of people lost. I was getting ready to walk graduation night. Dad, you were there. We met in the fellowship hall before we walked out, and I watched that battle-worn old preacher. He got up, and I was about as far away from him as Brother Aaron is from me right now. And I watched the tears just pouring off his face. He said, this is a very unique class. And he wrote a poem for graduation. That poem was entitled, The Year I Needed You. He talked about how every other class that had graduated from the college they needed preacher, and preacher was there to counsel them through their hurts and counsel them for jobs and help them with this and help them with school bills and help them with this and help them with that. And he said, but this is the class I needed you. Whew. He wept. We wept. I'll never forget. A year later, my wife graduated we're getting ready to leave. I was just a kid, 22, 23 years old. Before I left, Brother Hiles called me to his office and he put his arm around me. He said, son, I love you. Go out there and make me proud. He said, I need you to. He said, you're a graduate of the year I needed you most. Now God needs you. A few months later, I was called and came back, and he ordained me. Certificate hanging on my office right now with his signature on it of my ordination. When I went back to work for him, I was taking him there or taking bringing him back from the airport one night. He looked at me and he said, Craig, what year did you graduate? I said, 89. Tear began to fall down both cheeks. He said, boy, that was a rough year. I said, preacher, that was a great year. He said, that was the year I needed you. I said, well... Might be the year you needed me, but I've needed you every year. Can I tell you something? I need you. But I also need to be needed. Don't stop needing me. We're going to get through this. Everything's all right. I promise you. Did you notice? We had church this morning. We even had music. Had to stop and start a few times, but we had music. <laughs> We'll get it in gear. We're training them to shift gears. 
might be a little at first. We'll get through it. It's all right. But let's pull together. Let's make it happen. Let's be here. Let's do our part. Let's step up. If you want me cleaning toilets rather than helping you with your problems, I'll do it. But I'd rather help you with your problems than clean toilets. I don't mind sweeping floors. But if it comes time to telling some law center how to get saved or sweeping a floor, we're going to have a dirty floor. Make sense? Because my job is people and helping people. You can help me with the other parts, but I really need you. I need some of you to step up. I need some of you willing just to jump in and say, here we are. This is home. If you're here today and you don't know for sure you're saved, can I tell you something? You ought to get saved. You need God. Like you've never known you need God. We don't have many days left before the rapture takes place. It's getting like the days of Noah and Sodom, real fast. Every head bowed, every eye closed.